Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron on ESPN. ESPN.com. Giants reporter coming to you a little late this week because they played a Monday night game, so the, the week then gets condensed. And then there was a COVID-19 situation at the Giants, a, a lot of false positives. I was kind of involved in that as well. I'll get to that in a second. We're going to have my buddy John Middlecoff, a former NFL uh, scout, front office, I don't know if he was an executive, but uh, a front office personnel guy uh, in the NFL. Now he's a podcast extraordinaire out in the Bay Area, uh, so he knows the Raiders especially well, follows them pretty closely, even though I know, I know, I know they're in Las Vegas, they're not in the Bay Area anymore, but still. He tracks them very closely, knows way more about the Raiders than I do and probably you do. So we'll get to him in a few minutes. Uh, first, let's get into the COVID situation, right? Because it seems like there's a lot of false positives going at the Giants and the media said we have to take these tests too. So turns out I'm basically one of these people. So like you see Saquon Barkley, you see Xavier McKinney, they're on the, the, the COVID-19 list as I tape this. On Thursday afternoon, we had Matt Skura, who had a, a COVID uh, scare as well, false positive. Uh, more players today, not at practice. I'm not 100% positive as of this taping, whether, whether Kyle Rudolph and Gary Brightwell fall into that category, but they were not on the field, so they potentially could. Some coaches, uh, 13 people in the Giants organization tested positive on Tuesday. By Wednesday, they had realized 12 of those 13 were false positives. So something's going on with the testing company the Giants are using where something's compromised, something's messed up, and there's so all these irregularities, and there's a massive number of false positive tests. So that throws everything into a loop. Giants do, they don't. They have guys on and off the field practicing, not practicing. They're working virtual. So... Not your usual week as they head into a matchup with the Raiders. Now, for me personally, so I come in on Wednesday. We got to take, as media members, weekly tests. Take the rapid test. Usually get the result like a half hour later. I get a result later in the day. You know, a few hours later, say it comes back positive. I'm like, oh, crap, right? I have COVID. Uh, So I leave immediately. They say, come take another rapid test. Take another rapid test. So you know what? Let me let me hang around the Giants facility. So let's see see what the result is. So I go get coffee, you know, drive through at Starbucks. I get a Starbucks. I wait. They call me back as I'm, you know, a half hour later. They say negative. So now I have a positive rapid test and a negative rapid test. They said, why don't you come back? Peace of mind. We know for sure. Come and take a PCR test. So I go back to the facility. I take the PCR test. If testing trailer in the parking lot and you're not going to get the result till basically they say, you know, midnight, 1 a.m., right? I'm taking this test, by the way, at like three o'clock, let's say. So I go home and I'm like, you know what? It's not worth risking my family. I'm going to go basically quarantine myself, put myself in the basement away from everybody, wearing a mask in my own house, sleeping in my basement, waiting for the result, ultimately comes back. 1 a.m., I wake up in the middle of the night because I'm exhausted because I've been traveling and going, you know, I haven't, and the Monday night game was on Monday, so you don't sleep much after a Monday night game. To get back so late, go to sleep early, wake up in the middle of the night, look at my phone, there's an email, negative. There's PCR test is negative. So now I have a negative PCR test, a negative rapid test, but my original rapid test was positive. So I have to come in Thursday morning 
and again take another PCR test, which at the time of this taping, still haven't gotten the result. Assuming, hoping that it's negative, because you know what's going through my head this whole time is we're gonna have the Giants run a bye next week. I have to spend my whole bye week quarantined in my basement, in my house, doing nothing with COVID. Doesn't sound very good. Obviously, health is the most important thing, but I feel fine. I feel completely normal. So this is kind of what the Giants are going through now. They're getting this, they're having three days in a row, you know, a dozen or so people every single day getting told they're positive, having to go through the same kind of stuff that I just told you before realizing, oh, no, no, you know, you're negative, which has got to be driving the Giants crazy at this point. They have to reach the point because now they stopped doing the rapid tests completely. By, by Thursday morning, they're like, you know what? Screw this rapid test. Why are we doing this? There's so many. Something's wrong here. Let's stop doing these tests. So, all right. Now I'm going to get into kind of what I'm hearing, right? Let's get into the football side of things. That's uh, what the Giants are dealing with off the field. Some other Giants-related material, kind of the whispers I'm hearing, the things I'm hearing. Let's start with, I wrote an article published on Monday, kind of the time is running out on Dave Gettleman. I think most of you realize that by now. Uh, The key thing for me that I had in that piece was that I was hearing, I spoke to other executives around the league who are already under the belief that the Giants are kind of under the surface looking at GM candidates, not actually talking to them, but sort of in their own, you know, inside their own, their building in their own office, going through some of the possibilities. So when other executives around the league think this, there's usually some merit to it. It's probably, you know, it's not like, it's usually probably not completely made up because these are, these people are, are in that circle. Right. These are executives, high ups, you know, around the league, people uh, close to ownership, you know, general managers, uh, personnel executives. So if in that circle, that circle of people, they're talking about the Giants already really looking around for GMs. It's probably happening. So, you know, the writing is on the wall for Dave Gettleman. I mean, they're two and six right now. What would it take for Dave Gettleman to be saved? You know? Let's say uh, eight and nine. The Giants going to go, uh, what are they, two and six? So six and, uh, what are they, two and six? So six and one. Anyone see that happening? Doesn't make sense. My, my math is off right now. The Giants are two and six. In order to get to nah, seven, they would have to win five more games, right? And they have nine remaining, so five and four. That would be really questionable if he would stay at seven. So he'd have to win six more games to get to eight. So that's six and three. Would have to win seven more games, get to nine and eight to have a winning record. So that would be seven and two. Does anyone really think they can go seven and two or six and three? They got, by the way, they got the Raiders, who are pretty good. I think they could win the game, but then and on the road against Tampa, which is going to be a loss. So, uh, you know, six and three, seven and two, pipe dreams. Absolute pipe dreams with this team. Now, Everyone, the next question everyone asks after you talk about Gettleman is Judge. What have you seen from him? Why are you going to keep him? And I get it. There have been things that, have, that are concerning that you don't like, that you've seen, that you don't like. I mean, the use of timeouts the other day in that Kansas City, ridiculous, right? I agree. But what I'm hearing is that John Mara really doesn't want to fire his coach. He really doesn't want to be stuck in this vortex where he's rotating through coaches every two years. Now, they like Joe Judge. They like the way he operates. They like what, the way he handles players. 
They like the way he thinks. So I really think they're not going, it sounds like from, from what you're hearing that they're not going to, they would have to really, really, really go sour for them to want to move on from Joe Judge. That, that I don't think is that likely right now. Now this I think people will find interesting is that I've heard little whispers lately about how Freddie Kitchens getting a little bit more involved each week in the offense. That's the perception for some players and people around the team. Freddie's getting a little bit more involved. Remember, Freddie Kitchens is a former offensive coordinator in Cleveland before he got that head coaching job. He has that connection to Judge. Jason Garrett's offense has not been great. We know that. There are definitely things you don't love about it. I hate the fact that they don't use a lot of crossing routes and rub routes in, in the red zone area. That drives me nuts. I mean, those are seem optimal plays in those short, quick spaces. You just, you just need the guy to hesitate just a little bit. The pick, the pick play I'm talking about. Those little pick plays. Every team runs them. And it seems to be successful with them. And the Giants, you rarely see them. And when they do run them, they never seem to be successful. So anyway, just something to keep an eye on in regards to Jason Garrett and his future. Freddie Kitchens being more involved. As far as the Giants' offensive line, you know, I've been speaking to people. They know inside that building that this line right now is really questionable. And you saw it when they had to go back and pass in Kansas City late in the fourth quarter to try and drive down the field and win the game. I mean, that was an awful drive by, you know, like they, they just can't pass protect. So they're going out of their way throughout the games to make sure they provide help to that line, keeping tight ends in religiously, chipping, helping, you know, getting little uh, pieces of, of the ends to help out the tackles. I mean, they're trying so hard to mask what they know is a massive deficiency. For the most part, the line was okay in Kansas City. The Giants need their, some playmakers. The injuries that they're going through are ridiculous. You're not going to hear anyone use it for an excuse, but they know. I mean, it's, it's silly, the injuries to that offense. I mean, the number of missed games from their week one starters, 25 right now, 25. You know, I think, I think next is Washington with 20, and then two other teams are at 18. So they're five clear of everybody else. Five full missed games from their week one starters. And you name it, Saquon, Galladay, uh, Shepard, Slayton, all missed at least three games. Tony missed multiple games. Andrew Thomas, Nick Gates, and Shane Lemieux obviously out for the year. I mean, you're going to get some injuries, but all those playmakers that I, I mentioned at the start there, to miss that many games, man, it's hard to overcome that offensively. And uh, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Like Sometimes I just sit there and watch, and I'm like, poor Daniel Jones. And then I relate it back to, you know, I, I wasn't as kind to Eli when he was kind of in the same situation. But there's a difference. The reason is because I held Eli to a higher standard. He was getting paid the 20, 20 plus million dollars. He was the Super Bowl winning quarterback. We expected more. We're still trying to figure out what Daniel Jones is. Eli was supposed to make those guys better. Whereas Daniel Jones, I'm looking at it and saying, I just want to see what he is first. We're realizing he's not the guy who's going to just carry the team on his back by himself. But that's fine. I mean, there's not many quarterbacks that can do that. But anyway... Let's go to my boy, John Middlecoff. On to the next one. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. 
Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. All right, let's bring in John Middlecoff, former NFL scout, current podcast host, uh, does the three and out podcast for Colin Cowherd and the Haberman and Middlecoff podcast out there uh, focusing on the Bay Area teams, which Giants play the Raiders this week. So he knows the Raiders really well. They used to be out there. Still follows them very closely. John, welcome. How you doing, man? Pretty good. You know, I'm probably a little better than you following uh, the the COVID disaster. I saw that. Uh, what's his name? Did his press conference outside? Yeah, Joe the Giants. Judge. You Joey know, Judge, Mister Joey pace. Judge. Yeah, that team's on pace for another what? A four or five win season. So uh, <laughs> great out there in New York yeah. Giant land. Hasn't been hasn't been going well the last you know eight years or so. <laughs> yeah. the, the usual NFL drought. Uh, but so, yeah, you say that and you're, you're not wrong. So as a former NFL insider, I'm curious, what do you look at and you see at that team and say, okay, here's the problem. Here's where they're, they're they've gone wrong. Well, I was in college when they upset my, it was my senior year in college when they upset the Patriots and it was the first time I ever bet uh, on football. It, Seven or eleven? Put a massive, about? In 07, when they beat okay. the undefeated Patriots, the undefeated. I put you know all the money in my bank account on the Giants because I had watched it, which was like a thousand dollars. I mean, still a big <laughs> bet for me, you know, fifteen years later. But I remember watching that Sunday night football game right at the end of I think it was week six, week seventeen, then right the sixteenth game of the season, and yeah, they played yeah, them yeah. tough. And Randy caught that ball down the sideline, and then just. You fast forward to three or four years later, I go work in, in college football and then I get a job with the Eagles and, you know, they just become a big part of the vernacular in that building, right? The, the Giants and the, the Washington football team at the time was pretty irrelevant. It was the Cowboys and the Giants. And it was a really big deal when you played, uh, you know, Eli and Coughlin. And I, I'll never forget being on the sideline. And their defense, I mean, those defensive linemen, you know, you remember, you saw that. Yeah. I mean, they were huge. They were massive, right? From Tuck to Kiwanuka to uh, to OC Strahan, I think he was retired for that. Yeah, but he looked. I mean, his body type was their body type, and they Mm -hmm. were massive, and they were so physical on defense. Their offense was just it was consistent. You know, Eli was probably peak of his powers back then, like from 07 to you know 12 or 13. And Coughlin was a really good coach, and they were a physical team, and they were good. Obviously, I think my second year in the NFL, they won the Super Bowl. Uh, and the team that I've seen, you know, the last several years just doesn't have the same talent. Obviously, the quarterback play from that version of Eli to what they've gotten out of Daniel Jones, even though he had some moments, you know, I, I don't pretend to watch every game that they play now, but you know, that obviously the Monday night game, he just has some fatal flaws and he makes some devastating mistakes. And this is not, we're not talking about a, you know, Justin Fields here, right? Or Mac Jones. I mean, we're talking about a guy that's been in the league now several years. So he's got a ton of starts under his belt. And he just does some head scratching things. Uh, and I was always, he, I kind of came around on him because, you know, he's a big time athlete. He actually has a pretty good arm. 
but he's just he's a mistake prone guy. And then their talent around him is just clearly not good enough. And Saquon, they go all in. And like most people, I wouldn't not into taking running backs really high, but I, I didn't argue with Gettleman, his take on the talent of the kid, right? He was such a freak at Penn State. And you know, living in that area, Penn State football's big. So all yeah. these people had watched him. He was a blue chip guy. Yeah, legit but, prospect. Like, Great player. No doubt. He was an elite prospect, you know. But once you watched him play, even before he got hurt, he wouldn't pass protect. So he wasn't a complete prospect. He would not pass protect, mm-hmm. which I hate to say it, like part of the reason, like try to try to pass rush when Zeke's in there. I mean, he'll hit you. You know, you have to protect the quarterback. And then he gets injured and he's been a shell of himself. Even when he was healthy earlier this season, he, to me, he looked a step slow. Uh, and if you, you draft a guy number two overall and he's not giving you that much, and then the quarterback number six, like that's even though defensively, for the most part, I think you'd agree they've played pretty solid the last couple of years. Uh, and last year and this year, yeah, they were all right. They've, they've gotten better yeah. this year. They started terribly, but yeah, they've, they've been good the last year. They years. have not, they have by no means been some joke. So it's offensively, they just, their quarterback and their playmakers just, they don't score points. You know, we can crush Jason Garrett, but they don't, they don't have the most talented group of, of, of players. Yeah, well, the offensive line is obviously really prohibitive when you're talking about Terrible. working with a yeah. guy like Daniel Jones. I'm, I'm curious. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. But they, but they, but they, dra- they drafted a guy right really high, and it turns yeah. out they drafted the wrong one. I mean, they, they, they had the opportunity. He's in been a better. Draft. He's been, he was better this year. Now he's injured now as well. But Andrew Thomas was better this year. So okay. I mean, but he's not. I mean, Worfs wasn't like an All Pro last year, right? Yeah. I mean, Andrew Thomas wasn't playing at an All Pro level. Fair. I mean, well, we have a low bar here, John. That's how it goes. When you suck for it's eight true. years, the bar is pretty low. But see, it goes back to the, those offensive lines. That that obviously the, we talk a lot about the defensive line with all those guys and the size of them. Mm-hmm. Was Chris Canty on some of those teams? He was yeah. massive. He's, it, he works in the, the, you know, the radio business. He's he's a monster. He's huge. Still huge. Yeah. The 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 off the the offensive lines then they weren't that sexy. Like they didn't have five Jason Peters on the offensive line, but they were good and they were physical and they were tough. It felt like, you know, like when Philly, right before I got there, like the John Runyon types, that they were full of those type guys. And it, they were, they had the physicality of the Giants started with their offensive and defensive lines. And when you're good at offensive and defensive lines, even if you have some flaws, like I, I remember those teams in like 11, the team that won the Super Bowl, their linebackers were not good at all, but it didn't matter. Right. And their Brandon Jacobs wasn't that good of a player mm-hmm. at that point in time. But it's like when you have a really good offensive line, you can protect an immobile quarterback. And when you have a poor offensive line, it, it makes it really hard, you know, and who knows, maybe Daniel Jones in a couple of years goes somewhere and resurrects his career, but it does feel like it's kind of snowballed on him, And it, it's going to be hard to, when you're just not winning games, it's hard to dig yourself out of a hole. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about that. They're just, they're, they're in an organizational rut and it's, it's been exactly, it's, it's just, it's hard to watch. I mean, you, I feel like I'm green groundhogs day over here. Uh, outside impression, national impression, as you said, you, you know, popping in and out on, on Joe judge is what I met him a couple of years at the combine. And I know people that know him and they really like him. He's clearly, I mean, anytime you've worked that long for Saban and Belichick, he's an impressive guy. Like I, you know, from just a, you know, a detail work ethic standpoint, you know, I've probably been overly harsh about making the coaches run. Cause you've told me before, like players like him, like, I, I think he's an impressive guy, but as a head coach, it's more than just being an impressive guy, right? It's like you get what credit or not credit for the coaches on your staff mm-hmm. and Jason Garrett, whether that's out of his control or not, and you know more than me, which it might've been right. Cause he was in the mix to get the head job. 
that the ownership might have forced on him a little bit. And, you know, he's what's he going to do? He's a first time head coach and a younger guy, but like yeah. that's, he can't, Joe Judge is not Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay, right? He can't just take right. over the play calling and have Jason, like that's not, he's never done that. Like he's a special teams coach. And on the best level, even look at John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh, his success and failures have always been very, now he's a great leader. He's a tough guy, you know, no different than Judge, but he's very dependent on his coordinators. Mm-hmm. When he has a sweet offensive coordinator like Greg Roman, things go well, right? And it's perfect for Lamar. But when he didn't, you know, several years ago with Flacco, their offense was terrible. And luckily he had the equity built up with the winning when he got there. But it's very difficult when you're the quote unquote CEO head coach and you can't call either side of the ball. You know, you just can't. You never have. Even though I know he's a quarterback. I'm not saying he doesn't know probably offense because I know he's coach wide receivers with the uh with the Patriots for, for a year, he snuck that in. Yeah, I, I just not, think he's like not he, this extensive background in offense. No, he can't just flip the switch and be like, "I'll take over the offensive play calling this this week." That'd be the first time that's ever happened to him in his NFL career, right? If yeah. he were just to do that one week, so that's he does have somewhat of a fundamental flaw that, like, and, you know, so not a fan, was, not a big fan you know, of Jason Garrett, obviously. The, the, that's well, no, I mean, I I actually think Jason's Jason was solid in Dallas, but it's like. I just think the whole thing, whenever you're a, co- a head coach, for, especially for the first time, do you think Joe Judge's number one pick to be his offensive coordinator with Jason Garrett or was that the, was that the owner? No, I think it was Brian Dable, who he knows from Alabama. But that wasn't a possibility because Brian Dable was in, in Buffalo and, you know, about the new, and knew he was about to blow up in Buffalo with, with a pretty good roster and quarterback around him. Yeah, I mean, you could argue it's, it's, it's hard for any coach to overcome right now their GM and their ownership. I mean, I, I think, all, and I'm sure a lot of people are making that argument. You know, it's just been some of the stuff is out of his control because I, I do think for the most part, when you watch them, I mean, they get their ass kicked a couple of times. They do play hard. It's not like they're, yeah, you're not talking about it. You're not talking about the Jack, like some complete embarrassment, right? I mean, they look but, out class. You know, you like, judge they look like JV against the Rams, but yeah, for the most part, yeah. And that, when their talent level allows them, they play. They bring yeah, it, but you get judged on wins and losses, and he's he's not winning very much. Yeah, <laughs> that that is true. Which is why uh, we we had a little conversation before, and you were asking me if you know Joe Judge, well, you know is is going to make it through this year, and that's a common question that we get for sure. So curious to your opinion on it of getting rid of a GM and then I mean get, and then hiring a new GM and keeping the head coach. Any chance of success do you have to do you have to link those two guys as someone who's worked inside a front office? Well, to me if it's winning, right? Let's use an example of several years ago when John Dorsey got fired with the Chiefs. Andy had been winning and they had a good team. So when they made the transition to Veach, even it was unique cuz Veach was Andy's guy, but it was like you knew that you you had faith in the coach. The owner and the GM didn't see eye to eye. He wasn't good at managing the cap or whatever, even though you thought he was a good GM. But it was like, we know we have a big-time asset here in Andy Reid. Right. So but he has a lot more Dave, equity than Joe Judge. Well, that's what I'm saying. So you fire the head coach. You fire Dave Gettleman. What equity does Joe Judge have? So he just gets to stay? Does he get to interview that the GM? Because clearly you can't just bring a GM that he doesn't know. You have to talk to them a little bit. Does he get to influence it? So yeah, I'm a big believer. If you're going... You blow it all up unless the GM that for whatever reason they're dead set on is like, I love Joe Judge and I want to keep him. I would hire him as my head coach. But if not, I, I just don't think it adds up. You know, it's just then you're just all off kilter. 
with a coach that you don't even know if is good. Now, if it's just as simple as, hey, you know, the Eric Mangini, the one year with Holmgren, this year it's going on with a Fangio, right? With the dude from Minnesota, Patton. Mm-hmm. You just, hey, just give him a year, evaluate, and then we'll let you make a decision. Yeah, so you're just kind of having the, yeah. So it's like, <laughs> are, you letting the, are you just letting the head coach, you know, just kind of, you know, bristle in the wind for a season? It, you're right. I mean, I, 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 I would blow it up. I, I would. You worked in Philadelphia. Louis Riddick also worked in Philadelphia at the time. Uh, how enticing do you think that is as an option for the Giants? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really enticing. I mean, he he's one of the smarter guys. And obviously, I was around Howie Roseman. I was around Brett Veach. Uh, I, I was around a lot of coaches, you know, Nagy, uh, Sean McDermott, obviously Coach Reed. Uh, I mean, hell, David Culley's a head coach right now. It's not going that well, but, you know. Harbaugh, you were there for Harbaugh, right? Or no, he was gone by the time I got there, but yeah, you yeah, just, and a lot of my buddies now are like second in commands around the league that Lewis is a really, really smart, um, uh, to me, his understanding of scheme, his understanding of working with coaches, his understanding of working with players. Obviously now I think the job is very important to be media friendly. He clearly would get that now too. Uh, and you know, he's very comfortable with that region. He spent his whole career in the NFL, right. With Washington and Philly. He lives in that area. You, you just know that division like the back of his hand. Uh, I think there would be a lot going. You know, I, I know when I was working with him, him and Ernie Corsi were buddies. Uh, it was like a mentor for him, which I'm sure is pretty close, you know, and, and tight in with the organization still. So, I mean, Dave yeah, Gettleman yeah. thanked Ernie Corsi for getting him hired at his introductory press conference. He said, thanks, John Madden, the Mara, the Tishes, and Ernie Corsi for helping me get this job. So I think that pretty much explains it right there. Yeah. So that, that'll tell you, all. I, I think he would make a lot of sense, but like, does he want Joe judge to be his head coach? You know, it's just, it would be a little complicated, you know? Yeah, no doubt. Uh, all right. Giants this week, winnable game. Is it Raiders Vegas Raiders? Yeah. What is it? Better, better uh, than, we, said, than we, did we realize? I mean, not a popular team for people to watch out here, but got a pretty good record. I would have said no chance. I would have said the Raiders are going to, you know, beat you by 10 plus stores off. Uh, but then the, but, the, but then the thing happens, you know, 24 hours ago with their star young wide receiver who his stats from a football standpoint, you know, I think he had 24 catches and 500 yards and just a couple touchdowns doesn't do him justice. He was really coming on. I mean, he's a four, two guy. So every single play he's stretching the defense especially this week, they got Waller and Josh Jacobs that are healthy. Now I was watching some of the press conference. Uh, he's a big blow losing him on their offense and their defense has been a lot better this year just because they've simply tackled, but offensively they, they were pretty stacked. I mean, they had an elite deep receiver in rugs. They have one of the best tight ends in the league in Waller. Uh, Renfro is a stud slot guy. You know, he's like a Welker Edelman type. You just really, really good. Uh, they're running backs. You know, Josh Jacobs is a really good player. Derek, their quarterback is, is playing, you know, he's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL this year. So they, they were just, they were a solid team. I mean, they beat the Ravens. Uh, they beat the Steelers. They, they just playing well. You know, they beat the living, you know what, out of the Eagles. Uh, but this, it's one thing to lose Gruden, which it turns out like, you know, Derek knows the offense. This rich guy might be a better coach. Like Gruden wasn't that good. It's yeah. another thing to lose Ruggs, a star offensive player who, who directly impacts your scheme and the emotional toll of someone, him killing someone the visuals of him in jail with the neck brace. Uh, it's I watched some of Derek talk today. And I mean, he was pretty rattled like this. 
to me, the Gruden thing doesn't hold a candle to this. Yeah, that's just a, a wild story, a sad story, and a, a terrible story. He's dude's going to jail. I mean, yeah, big time. Yeah, he's big time. You know, done completely as a football player. I think we could agree on that. And yeah, I, I think he's doing. I mean, 156 miles an hour, double the legal limit, killed a person who was just stopped. I think. I mean, he's th- th- when I hear this, like, oh, De- uh, Dante Stallworth only got 30 days. They have these two incidents have nothing in common. That she was trapped in a car. It was she burned to death on top of who maybe she died on Awful. impact too. But it yeah. was this this guy's doing a decade in prison. I mean, yeah. this guy's going, going away for a going long for a time. It's it's it is an interesting it's, uh, it's an interesting point that you know the Raiders come here now off that. It's, it'll be fascinating to see how they kind of respond to that off this week. I don't I I can't imagine what that locker room is like seeing this throughout the week. Definitely affects them for sure. So what do you think? Can we get John Middlecoff back in the NFL? Is, no. is the possibility is, is the is it, is it too good a life? Is this media life too cushy? Yeah, it's 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 too cushy. You know, and you know, I, I I mean, I'm just I'm close to the fans, man. I just watch games on my couch, talk about them. We live uh, in the Sacramento I, area, I, I, right? Yeah, I live in the you know kind of in the suburbs of the between Sac and the Bay. Uh, life's good, you know. I'm pl- I get to play golf, a lot of golf. Uh, make a lot golf? more money. Round, than, make make me. Uh, Make me jealous. How many you rounds know, of golf you squeeze? You know, I'm pl- well. I mean, when the sun's out, I probably two or three. I'm playing Olympic Club on Friday. You know, I would not be able to do that as you know the West Coast scout or you know, the pro <laughs> scout. You know, it's just that ain't you know this ain't Steve Spurrier life in the NFL. You know, he left quick because those golf rounds do not happen. So, uh, and it's just you know the the other thing that I do not miss that I like more about what I do now is. I, I have so much more control over everything. You see the, you know, that Raider story, but it's just even injuries. And now with COVID, it's like, I can't even imagine trying to be a GM in, in this, in 2020, 2021, a scout, whatever. I mean, it's just, it is not an easy job. Like it's very time consuming on top of the stuff that's out of your control. So I, I, I don't miss it at one bit. Let's do a little uh, quick wordplay. Ready? I'll fire okay. words at you. You give me your take on each thing. Ready? Go. Dave Gettleman. Terrible. The 49ers and Kyle Shanahan out there. That's your team out there that you cover closest. Yeah. I mean, they're about to get lucky because Kyler's out. So they might be on a little bit of a comeback trail. The NFC East. Uh, top heavy Cowboys. Let's face it. They're legit. Other three teams stink. Mike McCarthy then off that. Uh, inherited a fantastic offensive coordinator and quarterback. Yeah, because I didn't know. I mean, I, I don't know if I trust the Mike McCarthy in the end. Uh, that's I, I here here would be I would contemplate. They've done this. Bef- they haven't done this before. And Sean Payton left, and guys have left. I would think about hiring Kellen Moore at the end of the season. Ooh, there we go. The Kansas City Chiefs. You got a lot of your boys down there. Your former boys down there. Yeah, I mean turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. They are not the stats. They'll be fine. They they just can't lose the turnover battle every single game. He can't throw multi. He leads the, the league in picks leads the, the league in picks. So it's, it's like, just it's wrong, not like man, they're man. just all seems. Yeah. Their defense, their defense has been crappy for years. It's they're turning it over at a, at a historic rate. Derek Carr, uh, balling and an emotional leader for a disastrous situation. I mean, th- there aren't, you know, the Mannings, th- there's a small list of people that emotionally could handle being the quarterback of the Raiders. You know, it's it's one thing after another of non-football stuff. 
And I, I mature. I would also say that mature. It's not. He makes a lot of money, but you know, unlike a lot of quarterbacks, get a lot of money because they to play football. Uh-huh. He gets paid a lot of money to like clean up the Raiders' messes. <laughs> to the a quarterback really does. They just wipe away all your deficiencies, man. Almost just, a, a really good quarterback just makes everybody smarter. For sure, man, this is such, such a good way to go about your business, John. We appreciate your time as always. The best in the business. You make you're making me want to like uh, become a permanent podcaster. It's it's a good life, you know. Tell tell Dave Gettleman I'd love to have him on sometime. <laughs> you're talking to the wrong guy if you want that hookup. By the way, all right, not tell you that right now. <laughs> See you, man. Thanks, have a good night. Thanks, man. On to the next one. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, let's wrap up this episode with a quick Jordan on the beat, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, I'll give you a prediction as well. I'm going to give you a little rundown of my time in Kansas City. Okay? Jordan on the beat is a portion of this podcast where I tell you what it's like to cover the Giants, uh, cover the NFL, or work for ESPN in general. So I go to Kansas City. I get there really late on Sunday night because it's Halloween. So I'll go trick-or-treating with the kids, spend some time at home, and then I'll, you know, I'll fly to Kansas City really late because it's a Monday night game. So I get there really late. You get to Kansas City. I've never in my life been to an airport where... Can't get a taxi, can't get an Uber, can't get a Lyft. I'm standing there for 30 minutes. There's no taxis. There's no Ubers in, nearby. There's no Lyft. Like, you can't. Usually you go to a, an airport, there's cars everywhere. Like, there's people waiting. It's like no one in Kansas City wants to work. So it's like, granted, it's midnight on Sunday. But still, zero. Like, there's a phone to call the taxi stand, right? You call the taxi and sorry, we don't have taxis right now. Call back in a little bit. What? Never in my life heard of it. So apropos for my trip, you go to Kansas City. You're like, you got to get some barbecue. Got to get a good steak. So I get there so late. It's midnight, of course. You know, I just go go to the hotel, go to sleep. Okay. They plan. There's a night game. It's a Monday night game. So Monday I'll go. I'll go get some good barbecue for lunch. And then I'll go to the game. It'll be a good day. And. You know, it'll be perfect. No, no, no. I'm staying in this. It's called the Power and Light District, right? By the way, it's ugly. It's raw. It's drizzling and rainy. About 40 degrees, so it's a little brisk. You're not feeling so great outside. So I'm trying to go get something to eat. No. The Power and Light District apparently is like this young up-and-coming area, right, where it's bumping on the weekends. 
But on Mondays, especially when the game's at night, so they, they, these places are opening special for the games, but it's not open in the middle of the afternoon at noon. So I'm walking around to all these barbecue spots near my place in the rain, 40 degrees, closed, 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 closed. Couldn't find anything. Finally bumped into a place, got myself a pedestrian brisket sandwich, nothing special. So I go to Kansas City. You want to get some nice barbecue or a good steak, and I got a pedestrian brisket sandwich. Not ideal. In the rain. Walked in the rain for 30, 40 minutes. Get a pedestrian brisket sandwich. Not a successful trip. And then that airport. Woof. Get the, there's no taxis. That is some airport. I mean, that airport feels like uh, the old LaGuardia. You know how like LaGuardia was like a total dump of an airport? Yeah. Kansas City Airport. Also, get there early on uh, Monday, on Tuesday for my flight, which is like at noon. I was like, oh, either I'll get an earlier flight. Forget that. No earlier flights there. Like two flights a day in that airport. So small. But forget that. I'm, I'm just trying to get something to eat. Nothing to eat. Again, shut out. Now, clearly, these are, uh, you know, spoiled beat writer journalist problems. And now that I think about it, a lot of my stories revolve around food. Might need to reconsider my life here, my priorities. Am I really I'm becoming? I'm becoming the uh, the old fat beat writer, huh? The old fat newspaper guy. Huh. I don't know. Might need to reconsider. Anyway, this week, all right. I've said it before. Finger. On the pulse. Now, I wasn't exactly right. I thought the Chiefs would blow away the Giants, but didn't have a great feel for it. So I didn't want to go strong on record and say that, you know, the Chiefs were going to blow them out. But this week, the finger on the pulse. I sense the Giants keeping it close against a good Raiders team. This time, potentially pulling it out. 23-21. This is a Raiders team that, as, as John Middlecoff said, that loss of Henry Ruggs could be huge. And think about what that does to a locker room. This has got to be a tough week for them. I know the Giants are going through this whole COVID stuff, at least they're home, right? They should have most of their guys back on the field. I don't think Saquon and Kenny Galladay will be ready, but still, I mean, and Sterling Shepard's obviously hurt now. Still, you got Tony, you have Slayton uh, against this mediocre Raiders defense. I still don't view them as a high-end defense. I think the Giants could score some points. And their defense is playing better. That's really what I like here. A Giants defense playing better against a Raiders offense that is now minus a key player. I think this is a game the Giants could win 23-21. They head into their bye, feeling good about themselves, going into Tampa Bay. Yeah, tough game, but at least they feel good going into the bye. 23 for the Giants, 21 for the Raiders. We'll see if I really do. Have I lost my touch? Or is my Finger on the pulse. That's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. As always, like, subscribe, tell your friends, and you know how to reach me. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, email, TikTok, wherever else I might be. You, you, you know, somehow you all seem to know how to find me. Next week, bye week, we'll do another massive Giants After Dark show. Fire your questions away. Send them, send them along, and I'll try and get to them. You're listening to Breaking Big Blue. I'm Jordan Ronan. See you next time.